welcome to Talking Supply Chain. In each episode, top supply chain industry professionals and the nation's top thought leaders join host Brian Strait and share their unique insights to help supply chain managers stay one step ahead of their competition. This is Talking Supply Chain. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Talking Supply Chain. I am your host, Brian Strait, and today I'm being joined by two guests from Cardinal Health at Home Solutions to talk about the growth of that business segment, Supply Chain. Mike DeSimplair is Vice President of Network Operations, which gives, which gives him responsibility for all Cardinal Health at Home Solutions systems and technology, network-wide projects, and operational excellence. Mike's has, Mike has held road, roles in strategic sourcing, distribution operations, and business analytics. Also with us today is Jamie Dice. Jamie is Vice President of Warehouse Operations for Cardinal Health at Home Solutions and runs the day-to-day -day operations for the entire network of warehouses, which spans 10 current facilities with a new location being built in Greenville, South Carolina. In total, those facilities will eventually um, encompass more than 2 million square feet of distribution space and, uh, and allows at-home solutions to ship to 99% of the U.S. population within one to two business days. Gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. Great, great. Um, I, I hope this is an exciting conversation for everybody listening, um, and, and I, I'm sure it will be, and I, I think you guys have a lot to offer here, so I want to jump right into it. Um, Mike, I'd like to get started with you, maybe, because um, you've been with the company for a while. Uh, in 2013, Cardinal Health acquired the at-home solutions business. Can you talk a little bit, you know, based on your history and your knowledge of it, is why that business was attractive to Cardinal Health, and a little bit about the history of the business and its growth through its time with Cardinal Health? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the at-home solutions, a, a direct to patient uh, delivery, you know, business. So I think with patient care moving to the home and kind of e-commerce and, and that type of uh, solutions being needed, uh, Cardinal saw that, wanted uh, to be able to add that to, you know, its, its services and, and add another channel of care, if you will, if you think about the care continuum. Um, I would say that's what brought it on. Um in terms of the growth within Cardinal, you know, since 2013, obviously been pretty tremendous growth. Um, you know, as Cardinal's added product offerings and added other services, there's been some synergies there. I would also say as the acute space, uh, hospital systems, if you will, have added at-home programs or direct-to-patient programs, it's also allowed Cardinal to support those those businesses with our, with our business unit and our service offering. Yep. Can you, um, when you say direct-to-patient, um, can you explain what exactly that is? Is that is that people in their houses? Is that people in facilities, yeah. hospitals? What what does that actually mean? Yeah, it's 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 a couple of things. It's direct to patient, right? So uh, someone who needs uh, any kind of medical supplies. So think diabetics or urological or incontinence, general feeding. Um, you know, they're they're working with their healthcare provider or or contacting our our business unit directly, and we're we're picking that product right from our warehouse and delivering it right to their right to their doorstep. Um, also think about nursing care facilities, hospice facilities, um, who need to service patients that are, you know, in, in house, uh, they'll also, um, take advantage of our services and we, we could do orders to those, to those, um, you know, those housing services or, or, uh, facilities, if you will. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of different places, these goods are going from, from your facilities. Um, and I think we'll get into that a little bit, I think in Jamie with Jamie, um, in a few minutes about some of that aspect of it. Um, you mentioned, you know, the growth of it. I mean, you guys have had it for about 10 years now. Um, you know, at one point, the at-home solutions business was serving about 1.6 million customers, but 
it, that's grown quite a bit over time. And, and I don't know how much that growth came during the COVID period where everything kind of changed, right, for, for businesses in general. You, you guys are expected to do over 4 million customers, service over 4 million customers this year. So can you talk a little bit about what's driving that growth? I mean, is it just the e-commerce side of the business? Is it the, is it the changing dynamics in the way that items are delivered to people? And I think more importantly, and I'm not sure which one of you wants to jump in on this part of it, but you know, customer service is such an important thing, right? I mean, as you're delivering to different places, whether it's the, uh, you know, people's homes, uh, facilities, hospitals, what have you, um, how do you maintain that customer service and still maintain successful growth? Yeah, Brian, I'll, I'll take this one, and Mike, you can chime yeah. in on anything I miss. Um, you know, there, there's a few dynamics, Brian, and you know, both you and, and Mike spoke about it already. Um, when, when you think about the aging population, so we're right now in, in a period in time where 10,000 Americans are turning 65 every day for the next decade. Um, there's also studies that say about 50% of adults have at least one chronic condition uh, that means reoccurring medical supplies. Um, and then, you know, as a result of the pandemic, um, you know, patients prefer to, you know, stay in the comfort of their home and get care as opposed to going to a hospital. Nobody wants to go to a hospital. So, you know, as the population grows, as we want to have these conveniences sent to our house, um, that, that's where the majority of the growth has come from a, a socioeconomic position. Um, you know, take, take that a step further, you know, there are market category mixes that um, we haven't, you know, touched as much as, you know, as others. And, you know, Mike mentioned earlier in, in continents. So adult incontinence is a very large market uh, that uh, we don't have a great share in. Um, and, you know, we have a commercial team going out there and, and, and getting uh, getting that volume, which, you know, Conversely, from a warehouse perspective, and we can talk about this, you know, further, but um, you think about diapers, you know, big bulky product that, you know, has a negative impact on your warehouse space. Um, yeah. And then, you know, one last thing I can think of is, you know, what have we all done in the last few years, you know, with the pandemic other than order more online? So e-commerce has grown uh, exponentially across all ages of the population. So, you know, I, I think all those dynamics have you know, exponentially grown the uh, need for uh, at-home care, at-home product, and at-home distribution. Yeah. Uh, and then to add on to, you know, your, your second part of your question, you know, how, how we maintained, you know, service within the warehouse. Um, you know, I, I would like to say that grit and determination are a factor, but, you know, I know that's not a strategy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, th there are things around, you know, we are investing in capacity. You, you started um, – this conversation with we're adding another warehouse, you know, the second in, in two and a half years uh, that we're adding within the at-home space. Uh, we're investing in uh, a new warehouse management uh, system upgrade, um, automation technology. Uh, so there's a lot of infrastructure and, and, and investments that are occurring to make sure that we continue to um, be able to uh, handle this volume. And, you know, I, I'd be remiss not to say we're also investing in our people. Um, and, and ensuring that we have the proper labor uh, to manage this additional volume um, yeah. into and out of our buildings. Yeah. I mean, and you, you touched, I mean, you, you guys both have touched already on e-commerce being part of this, right? And, and you know, I, I mean, I know just from reading and, and being around talking to people that the health supply chain, healthcare supply chain changed dramatically with the COVID, right? And, and e-commerce. Were you guys seeing e-commerce become a bigger part of what you tried 
guys were doing prior to COVID and, and how much did COVID change that from your business standpoint? I, I can speak. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, definitely the e-commerce, you know, direct to patient uh, dynamic was, was growing. And you, you can see that with the at-home business growing since, you know, I started in 2006. Um, that's, that's been a thing for a while. I think from a COVID standpoint, obviously folks doing more remote healthcare, doing more virtual visits and, and getting diagnoses and then needing supplies, I think has helped sustain that growth. Um, I think, I think that's the macro kind of economic world. We, we, you know, dynamic of that, the world we live in today, I think, um, you know, in terms of challenges to the business from a, from a pandemic standpoint, um, you know, there are, there are certain things that we've done, um, to try to mitigate the, the impact of, you know, inside the warehouses, if you will. And then Jamie talked about some, some technology and, and things like that. And I know Jamie was in the buildings, um, you know, per, per COVID and probably could, could speak to more of, more of that as well. Yeah, I mean, did you have a follow up, Brian, or can we continue? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to follow up on that, and 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 I mean, you were there, right? I mean, you were on the ground, if you will. So you may have yeah, seen how so, that changed. <laughs> yeah, so 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 been with Cardinal for a number of years, and and, and during the start of the pandemic, I was actually uh, running a warehouse in New York City. So when we think about the start of the pandemic, you know, that was one of the hardest hit, if not the hardest, in the country or the world. And so you know, it, it made us think about how do we run our warehouse different. And what do I mean by that? I mean, there early on, there, there were times we're, we're running at a, a fraction uh, of the percentage of, uh, of employees that we would normally be staffed at because either through you know sickness or contract tracing or just fear of leaving your house. So it, it forces us to make decisions in terms of sensitivity of items, uh, prioritization of items. So an example, you know, in that world, we were distributing both pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals and over-the-counter uh, product, um, where up until then, you know, everything was treated very similarly. Uh, but you know, on those days when you're short, you know, short-staffed, um, you quickly devise processes and/or system upgrades to uh, be able to release pharmaceutical items over your over-the-counter, you know, your your toothbrushes, mouthwash, you know, band-aids. Um, so you became very nimble on the fly. Uh, and, and created things that we, we didn't have in place before. Um, and, and then after you had a chance to, you know, catch our breath and, and, and then, you know, you know, leading into, you know, the, the today where, you know, within that home, um, we, we look at category mixes in a similar way, but now it's all around being more strategic and how do we profile our buildings so that the right items are in the right place so that we have these pixels based on category mix. Um, so that if something does happen, you know, you know, from a business continuity, continuity perspective, you know, we, we, we can't pick, but we, we need to get these sensitive items out. Hey, we can go concentrate on this part of the warehouse first um, and, and get the items out. Like, you know, Mike mentioned earlier with, with some of our category mixes, one of them is enteral, uh, which is our, your, your milks and your nutritionals. I mean, these are, these are items that need to get to the patient or they don't eat that night. Right. And, and a lot of just in time inventory. Whereas if, you know, if I don't, this is an example, but if I don't send out, you know, a CPAP supply, you know, that's not life critical, but right. the, we, we still treat every, I mean, I don't want to come across like we, we don't treat everything the same, but you know, the, the, these are, you know, um, opportunities we have in the warehouse to make sure things are slotted and we have system capabilities to release certain items uh, in a certain way. 
Um, it, it, it makes profiling interesting in the warehouse because there are common items. You know, when I think about gloves being required for ostomy, but also being required for urology, even when we set up in the warehouse these certain cells based on category mixes, you still have these common items that need to be kind of in middle ground. So these are all the things that now that we've learned in terms of being, you know, much more fluid and dynamic, um, it's, it's caused us to think differently, you know, it just racking layouts and, and, and product um, yeah. slotting profiles. Yeah, and, 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 and you, you jumped ahead of me here. I, I was going to get to kind of this question about that. Um, you know, I mean, you guys, as of March, um, as I said, you were shipping about 52,000 packages of medical supplies daily direct to patients, which... I'm not a great at math. That's why I became a journalist. But, you know, the with basically 10 facilities, you're looking at 5,000 items per day coming out of a facility on average. And some facilities may be much more than that, right? Um, and, and some of those items, as you mentioned, like the milk type products, they need to get there right away. I mean, it's it's same day, it's next day, maybe two days. Um, and other items are, hey, it's a scheduled shipment three weeks from today, right? Um, that, that you need to deal with. So, you know, as you've, you, as you've as that mix has changed as far as products and, and product delivery timelines, you know what kind of changes have you had to go through in the warehouse space to make sure that the warehouse is set up to accommodate that quick pick item, you know, as well as the item that hey maybe we have time and that we'll get to that later today, kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of the, the path I was going down. Absolutely, I mean it, it, it's it's critical and, it's, and you know it, it goes back to you know as, as I was alluding to the. The, the, the profiling, the, the system capabilities. So, you know, you know in, in the past, everything was treated very similar uh, in terms of customer product mix, and, and we didn't have the visibility. But with, with upgraded warehouse management systems, you can, you know, you can release work to our employees, you know, based on different factors. And, and so that, you know, that, that is huge. Um, not to mention just visual indicators in, on, the, on the shipping label so that um, when it does hit the floor, uh, you're working um, in FIFO, right? You know, so not only are certain items more critical, but when you think about our DCs and and, and with the expectation of getting to our uh, our, our patients, you know, one or two day deliveries, uh, it's important that we're working with FIFO, you know, first in, first out, because there there are certain line halls that leave the building in certain times. So if we miss that, we miss a whole region or a whole uh, you know set of zip codes. So yeah. th- there are system requirements or system um, enhancements that have been made to make sure that we are uh, working in that flow. Um, it, it also puts, you know, the more emphasis on operational excellence. You know, we're, we're, we're a huge proponent of, you know, lean and, and, and Six Sigma work in our, in our warehouses. So it's, you know, how, how do we remove any waste and how do we make sure our, our employees are able to, you know, flex uh, to certain zones where in the past, you know, you know, they may have only been cross-trained in certain a- or uh, trained in certain areas. Now they're cross-trained to, 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 to work in these various uh parts of the warehouse to get these items out. So it, it's a, it's a culmination of, you know, people process and, 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 a, and a great balance of technology. Yeah. Have, have you, have you had to um, redesign any of the warehouses in terms of where things are located as part of this, or is, is a lot of this able to be handled through technology? I, I think it's a little bit of both, right? We have, we obviously are always looking at what we call profiling or reprofiling um, our buildings, uh, based on, you know, the different product, um, needs or the different dynamics from our, from our customer base. Um, I would say we're also looking at instituting, you know, new and enhanced technology around automation, 
um, not only on on the warehouse management side, but also on the, what I would call the outbound shipping side too, right? Is, is where we're putting conveyor and using conveyor in, in more of a targeted way, as opposed to, you know, maybe 15 years ago where there's conveyor in, in the entire building and kind of totes going around the building. And um, I'm sure many of the listeners can, can visualize that have been in warehouses over the past is we're using much more targeted conveyor um, to try to help sortation and, and help speed up the, the pack out process. Um, that, that's some of the stuff we're, we're, we're looking at um, from a redesign standpoint. Um, and I know I'm not sure if we want to get into that detail, but, you know, looking at ASRS and, and automated picking modules, right. Where, where we can enhance our inventory storage uh, footprint and use, you know, automated uh, picking and retrieval systems to, to allow faster and quicker throughput for our, for our picks. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I wanted to, sh- wanted to shift gears a little bit um, and kind of get into the broader supply chain and the state of it today. Yeah. If, if you guys want to talk to that, um, you know, I've talked to people, healthcare supply chains tend to have some differences from general supply chains, um, but every supply chain is different. I mean, refrigerated products are different from, you know, dry goods, et, et cetera. And there's always challenges in all of them, but um, can either one of you um, can speak to some of the challenges that you see in the supply chain today, I mean, either in your own, within your own supply chain segment, or just more broadly um, challenges that you're seeing. And, and is there anything you guys are doing to help overcome some of those things? I can like you hit, hit this first and you can try. Yeah. To... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, Brian, I, I, when I think about supply chain within the, healthcare industry it's very similar to what every other supply chain is dealing with the difference is you know when there is an impact in healthcare you're you know we have lives that are depending on, on these items. but you know if, if i had to categorize you know issues it's, it's going to be similar uh, across the board i mean you've got costs in an inflationary market so therefore you know um you have a lot more just-in-time inventory because you, you know now your carrying costs are so much greater so uh, you're, 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 you're relying on reducing that carrying cost and your safety stock goes down, which, you know, then you lo- load into the fact that there's material scarcity and, 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 and equipment availability and lead time issues. Um, so it, it kind of counter contradicts what you're trying to do by lowering your cost, but you can't go lower too far with, with the inventory because now you have back, um, um, backorder issues from an inventory management perspective. And we mentioned labor earlier. So, I mean, the, 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 there's three factors there that, you know, are, are common across the board in terms of, you know, how do you combat that? Um, you know, I, I know we keep going back to system capabilities, you know, with, with improved systems comes improved data. Uh, improved data means we can, you know, create better forecasting models and tools that we're using uh, to understand our volume, uh, which, feeds both ways. It feeds to our inventory management team to make sure we are creating purchase orders and bringing product in when we need to bring it in and not being overstocked, but also not running out. But then also I can feed that volume data to the warehouse so that the team can create staffing models and, and we can flex labor in and out of the building when, where and when we need it uh, based on the demand. So, um, you know, it's, I, I don't want to downplay that supply chain isn't an impact it is i mean it's across all industries it's just you know we, we we try to take it a little bit more serious because again if we run out of again we nutritionals or or or, or feeding tubes i mean that's a, that's a big issue so yeah mike i don't know is there anything else that you would add to that that i may, may have missed i mean i would say overall right our industry is not 
immune to, to just general supply chain, right? Overall transportation and the, the squeeze on that and, you know, just general lead times for product have, have increased, um, you know, especially during, during COVID probably have come back a little bit, but overall they're higher than they were three years ago. It feels like, um, and then that's kind of the tactical, right? We're probably carrying more inventory and, and need a little bit more space than we have th in the past, but in terms of like infrastructure as well, as we look to expand and as we look to build, you know, new sites, just overall lead times on materials and con construction and conveyor and, and racking and things like that. Um, and so we have, you know, we've kind of doubled down with our, our transportation partners and um, work very, very closely with them to try to come up with different solutions to, to ensure that, um, you know, our product is flowing um, not only into us, obviously, but, but to our customers as well. You think about peak, you know, we're kind of into, into that e-commerce space. So as peak times of the year come up, you know, we've done some different things with our, our transportation partners to ensure our service levels stay, um, you know, at the top of the industries. Yeah. Do you, you, you mentioned peak. I just want to ask a question on that. Um, do you guys see a peak season as well? We and, do. And you do. We do. Um, a lot of our business is based on in, insurance uh, payments and, 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 you know, the insurance uh, space. So, uh, you know, as folks run out with their deductibles and things like that, right, we, we see them buying more uh, the last, I'll call it six, six, eight weeks of the year, probably kind of from like okay. Thanksgiving till the end of the year, we you see that kind of thing. Use up those HSA and FSA That's right. <laughs> funds. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, it's, you know, especially the OTC space that we deal deal with, right? As folks are using their their points of their dollars at the end of the year, we we see large spikes at the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you're challenging in some ways. You're challenging. You're facing the same challenge that the the retail um, suppliers are and trying to get product to stores in the last minute last minutes in that Christmas rush season. If Correct. You yep. you're, you're, face, you're you're trying to get that same capacity that they're trying to get as well. Yeah, and that's where the relationship with the with the transportation partners comes in, right? Um, to to ensure that 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 does happen. We still because we're still servicing the kind of the core of the business, right? We still have folks that need their general supplies on an on an ongoing right. basis. So, um, yeah, that's definitely a dynamic we deal with. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to get uh, we got a few minutes left. I, I want to get to this topic. I always love talking about the future um, and, and things. Um, you guys, the at home solutions business, just opened a new facility in Grove City, Iowa. Ohio, sorry. Um, you, you guys describe this as your quote warehouse of the future. Can you talk a little bit about what that facility is is what it is and why why you view it as your warehouse of the future? Yeah, I can I can take that one, and then Jamie can kind of add on. I I think we are thinking differently, right? I mentioned the ASRS. Um, you know, we've partnered with Auto Store, um, and, and we're we're going down that path with that automation. So mm -hmm. you know, large. Um, picking um, operation, automation, um, goods to persons type type dynamic there, which will allow us to do some of the things we're talking about, right? Shrink the storage footprint, increase throughput, um, standardize processes. Uh, that, that's the one big thing that we're that we're pushing for. Jamie mentioned operational excellence, um, you know, standardizing the, the processes for our folks um, to allow, you know, replication and growing that, um, that synergy across, across what hopefully will be many sites um, and allowing us to shrink the footprint. So we don't need as big of a, a, um, a storage space um, to do that, which then allows us to use that, that space that we would have used for product for other value value added services, right? Um, we do a lot more sortation. We do a lot more um, 
different things like you mentioned where we, you know, we may be holding orders for a few days, but we can process them today, right? To help level load the volume in the buildings and, and labor and, and things like that. So um, that's just one, one call out. I, I would say, you know, the, the outbound sortation capabilities and the outbound shipping system that we're kind of redeveloping um, will help, you know, drastically increase our throughput so we can do more, more orders and more packages out of the same, the same square footage, which is, um, you know, what we, what we want the future of our buildings to, to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does, are you able, as you input, as you put this technology in, are you, are you able to go back to your other facilities and add the technology after the fact easy enough? Is that, is that something to do or, or, or are you adding the technology to the newer facilities? Let's see how it works. See, you know, and then before you then go back and say, Hey, let's try to retrofit something. Yeah. There'll definitely be a, a prove out point. I would say from a, you know, the WMS, the warehouse management system, obviously that, um, that will be put in all of the sites here. Um, as, as we think about it, um, it'll be a mix, right? It's probably the old business case answer. It depends. Um, <laughs> like there will be some that will absolutely be a retrofit. There will be others just the, it'll be, you know, a drastic change and we'll have to look at that. But, um, the goal, the end goal is to, is to make our current buildings look as, as much like we can, the new buildings as, as possible. Yeah. So, you know, building on that, um, I, I, my final question I want to get to, um, is simply when, when you see the vision of your supply chain, the future vision of your supply chain, um, you know, can you sum up what that looks like for you guys? Yeah. I'll, I'll... I'll start here, Mike. I mean, I, it, it's a speeding off of what Mike had mentioned earlier. It's, it's a balance of warehouse space and inventory, right? So, you know, as we've grown, you, you, you want to utilize as much of the building as possible, but you get to a point where you're constraining your your, your, your throughput. So, when we talk about future, I mean, that's why you you, you mentioned the, the the Grove City location. Um, you know. We're opening up the new building in South Carolina, and, and, and hopefully there will be more as we grow. Um, but it's getting that additional footprint so that we can install uh, th th this automation. You know, you, you, Brian, your, your question around do you go back and install these in other buildings is it, an interesting dynamic because you, you need a starting point, right? You need, you need free space somewhere to be able to right. put this in. So you almost – like is, it's like dominoes, right? You, you, you got to start the new buildings, build the new buildings, move the volume down, move the product down so that you can clear up free space in another building to go and do the same thing over and over again. So that, that, that's kind of how we've, we've set this flywheel in motion uh, to be able to, to do this and to keep up with the demand of, of you know, of, of our growing business. So that is the future. Um, you know, that's, that's why these two buildings are critical uh, to make sure that we have the, the, the footprint we need to, to service our customers and to grow, but then also to create this um, opportunity to go back and, and, and upgrade our, our current buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, do you, um, do you want to weigh in on how you view the future? Yeah. I mean, I would say all of that. And I, I know Jamie mentioned earlier data. Um, I, I think supply chains, especially ours, will need to be much more dynamic um, and we, we will need to be able to pivot quickly, whether it be a, a, a hurricane or some sort of natural uh, disaster, you know, or ice storm in Texas or, or something, right? That happens, seems to, yeah. seems to happen every <laughs> February now. Um, and so obviously with, with what we do and how we, how we deliver to our customers, um, 
the ability to be able to shift volume or or move of uh, an order from Texas to Illinois um, to still get it into wh- where it needs to go um, takes a lot of data, takes a lot of mature technology, um, and that's what we're that's we're down the path of of building out um, because I think that is what the future. Um, you know, people don't necessarily care uh, about about those things, right? As e-commerce continues to grow and that the customer experience continues to be you know, easier to get things in, in general, um, your healthcare supply should not be, should not be any different than that. And that, that's kind of where we're, we're headed. Yeah. And, and I, I think customers in the end, I mean, they don't, I mean, this stuff to them is just noise, right? I mean, they, they just want the product and, and it's up to you guys, people like you to help figure out how to get that product to them, you know, yeah, in, and, in the way that they expect it to be there. Yeah. And so, if you think, oh, you, the, the more you just click a button to get your, you know, your tennis shoes and you also click a button to get your, you know, your, your medical supplies, like it, it becomes very similar to folks and they don't, yeah. they don't necessarily care. And so, um, we, we need to be able to support that and, and will, and that that's the path we're headed down. Yep. Well, thank you, gentlemen, both of you. Um, we're out of time, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so much more you can get to, but uh, just run run out of time, which happens. Um, like to thank my guests, Mike DeSimplair and Jamie Dice of Cardinal Health at Home Solutions. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation today. I'm learning a little bit more about the at home solutions business and, and their supply chain. Um, like to thank also all of you for listening and taking time out of your day to listen to us and, and listen to Mike and Jamie. For Supply Chain Management Review and Peerless Media, I am Brian Strait, and this has been Talking Supply Chain. Talking Supply Chain is produced by Supply Chain Management Review and Peerless Media. You can find it on scmr.com, supplychain247.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. For more information on this topic or to sign up for our weekly newsletter, a print or a digital subscription to our publication, visit scmr.com. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. For Supply Chain Management Review, I'm Brian Strait, and thank you for listening.